This is an AMI podcast. Welcome to the best of Double Tap on YouTube. Your chance to catch up on the videos we posted this week. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey guys, welcome to another Double Tap on YouTube. I'm Stephen Scott, and coming up today, we are going to learn all about the Zero Project Conference. Now, we are going to be covering the event here on Double Tap, on the podcast, and of course, here on YouTube as well. Sean Priest will be with me in Vienna, and we'll also be checking out everything that's going on and bringing you all the latest on Access Tech Live over on AMI TV, AMI Plus, and of course, here on YouTube. But we are going to kick off today with a bit of an explanation about the Zero Project Conference, what it is, and what's coming up this year. And with us is the perfect person to tell us all about that. Michael Fembeck is with me. Michael, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, of course, Stephen. So my name is uh, Michael Fembeck. Um, I am with the ESL Foundation for more than 12 years now, uh, and uh, I'm currently a member of the board and CEO of the Zero Project. Well, first off, it is great to have you back here on Double Tap with us, Michael. We're looking forward to another Zero Project. Yeah, very good uh, to to be here again, yeah, and looking forward to this conversation. So let's start at the beginning, because, of course, many people will be learning about Zero Project, perhaps for the very first time. Explain what Zero Project is and and how the conference is part of that. Yeah, yeah, uh, thank you, of course, yeah. So the Zero Project is uh, around in its current form for maybe some 10 or 11 years. Um, and it's uh, a global networking project uh, that um, discovers, finds, uh, explores, and then communicates innovations uh, that support uh, the lives and the rights of people with disabilities. We created our own um, process for that, uh, that is, as mentioned, around for some uh, 10 or 11 years in the beginning, of course, there was a little trial and error, but basically what we do, we do since uh, 2012 or 13. Um, and it's a, it's an annual process where in the first half of this year, we uh, using a nomination process to find out which innovations are in the eyes of the community that we work with, uh, most innovative, uh, most uh, impactful and most scalable. Uh, so it's a nomination process followed up by a multi-step uh, selection process, always working with the communities of experts with and without disabilities. And in the second half, we're turning to more a communicator and, and mainly also a conference organizer. Uh, so putting these 75 nominations, which we usually have at the end of this process, in the middle of a of a global conference uh, is then the, the job of us, of the team of the Sur project for the second half of the year. Um, and uh, this conference takes part, uh, take, happens every year uh, in the United Nations offices uh, in uh, Vienna. Uh, and we bring here together uh, this year, since we're two weeks before the conference, we know that number roughly, maybe for the first time, more than 1,000 participants from almost 100 countries all coming together to showcase or discuss innovations uh, that support, uh, as mentioned, the lives and rights of people with disabilities, cross-sectoral, uh, all types of disabilities, of course, covered and all in the spirit of the UN Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities. 
And, you know, I think what sets this conference apart and having the joy of being there last year, Michael, was, you know, to learn about the international nature of this, because there are so many organisations or people we hear from, from countries like the US, from Canada, from Australia, perhaps the UK. But, you know, it's really nice to have a chance to shine a spotlight on some really interesting and emerging services coming out of countries that people might not expect those kind of services to come from. Yeah, you completely right, Stephen. And uh, we put, of course, a special emphasis on, on, on what you just said. Um, so um, I, I'm just showcasing some examples of what you just mentioned. We, we're building strong partnerships, for example, with India. Uh, India is, of course, uh, in this current uh, geopolitical situation, interesting per se, but also from the perspective of, uh, of innovations. Uh, as we all know, India is a, is a tech country. On the other hand, it still has one of the poorest populations uh, that exist on Earth. So what this uh, highly developed uh, country and the innovators and, and uh, tech investors, uh, what is there, and this is really highly developed, what they develop, they develop for their own country. Um, and uh, if this works in a rural neighborhood in, in, in India, then it also works in other rural neighborhoods in the world, which is not true if we look at the US or Austria. No? If something works in Austria, even if it's a rural neighborhood, is most probably not going to work in Uganda. No? Whereas if it works in India, it will work in Uganda. So this is seeing and, 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 and um, um, describing ourselves and also defining ourselves as a, as a global project. This is most important. So India, for example, is, is a good example and is, uh, um, is, is, is outstanding also with, uh, with the numbers of particip participants this year. Uh, and there are other countries as well, but our current focus is uh, is India, and we also developing strong relationships. Uh, also coming uh, to a Zero Project India conference, which which happened already for the first time uh, in in September. Now you and I spoke around this time last year, and mm -hmm. I was talking to you about the fact that one of the the benefits here, you know, from my understanding of what I knew about the conference, what I'd read about it, was that you know it, it gave people a chance to meet, get together and share ideas. And I, I saw that in action at Zero Project last year, and it was just incredible because, you know, there are examples, like you've said, where one thing may work somewhere but may not work somewhere else, but it's it's putting out almost the seeds of ideas, giving people ideas or people who are already trying something, the chance to meet someone else who's done it. So it must be such a rewarding thing for you to see when everyone comes together and shares these these thoughts and ideas. Yeah, actually it is, yeah. So, um, uh I'm um, I'm always amazed, and um, I'm mentioning this to our team as well. So I, I tell them sometimes, look at what we're actually doing. No? Uh, so we are some of ten people sitting in an office in Vienna, uh, all, almost all the time typing something into keyboards, uh, having conversations, speaking into microphones, and and seeing people on screens. And in the end, after doing this for weeks and months, we make people really leave their home, leave their office, board planes coming from. Places like Australia and uh, and Latin America and 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 Asia and South Africa to Vienna. So all this happens because of our of our work uh, and it and and one moment, meaning three days uh, in in time, they all meet in in, in Vienna and they're doing this in increasing numbers. So obviously we're, we're creating a really good impact for people who who come to join us in these uh, three days uh, in Vienna. Uh, talking about the impact, I don't know if you want to dive into this. What actually? We do with two people and with people and four people. It's it's not easy to understand that, but we try always to understand what actually what the impact is and and try to yeah uh, sub, 
work to um, to do more and on, on this regard. But it's it's like you said, it's from exchanging ideas uh, to making really practical corporations to learn from each other, to inspire each other. This uh, also getting media attention. So there's a lot of um, lot of uh, impact involved in in what we're doing. And and that is, I guess, the next step, isn't it? Because what happens when people leave Vienna? Because obviously the people who really want to connect with each other will do so. Do you take any part in that? Do you do you follow up and, and sort of check what progress has been made? Uh, yeah, actually we do, uh, but we do not enough. Uh, so uh, we, we, we are uh, talking about this internally now. Um, so of course things happen, we track things. We do as almost any conference organizer does. We do surveys of, of, of participants and ask them what they liked and did not like and what they took home and what they did not. Uh, and we get some feedback and there are some uh, feedback loops that we're using, but actually we do think we don't do enough. Uh, and uh, there is not one thing that's really interesting, uh, uh, common knowledge, it's artificial intelligence. So what we do for almost 10 years now, we record everything that happens in, in Vienna. We have all the presentations. We have all the research on these innovations and we want to use this in the future more also to um, give people the opportunity to stay connected with the right people because this is, if you look at it, of course, a challenge for everyone coming to such a large conference, finding the right people, having a meaningful conversation and, and being able to continue that. And with these new technologies, there are opportunities there that we're currently exploring how to use all of this to, uh, yeah, to make to st make people staying connected. And this is, I think, definitely one of the biggest impacts that we could have uh, in the future. I cannot tell you a lot more on this because it simply exploring this, but we know there's this opportunity here now with uh, AI coming up. Oh, I mean, j j just simply summarizing a conversation, you know, so you, you imagine that, as you're saying, on a, a larger scale, the potential is huge. You know, there's so much knowledge in that room, so much knowledge being shared in the conference and, and by people who are there to be able to bring that together and make it almost searchable. That's, that's an incredible idea. Um, you know, our role throughout the week is to speak to incredible people. And every, you know, every conversation I had last year was incredible. Every single one. I, I had to try and limit myself to the amount of time I was spending with people because I could have talked to people all day, but I had to speak to someone else and, and someone else and someone else. So, you know, I, I feel that it's, it's a really interesting time. We're going to have some really interesting conversations from our perspective it's about technology. Daddy. And in the recent years, technology became a major component of the the awardees uh, and the nominees that you were, were fixating on. Because, of course, technology has grown. Access to technology is growing. But technology solutions for disabled people is also growing all the time. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, so um, we uh, started uh, off with uh, having four topics defined, which... Together with our community, we define as the most crucial ones, which is uh, employment, education, accessibility, and uh, the fourth one, independent living slash political participation. With the fourth one covering mostly all the other articles of the of the convention. But and this is where this relates to what you just said. We realized that that technology, ICT-based solutions, <clears throat> as some of the fifth one, and uh, but not the fifth in the line but one that uh, is the biggest game changer in all of them. So we, we for three years now, we we having uh, ICT-based solutions covered, whatever they do, if they're related to education or employment or any other topic, we, we cover them in their research uh, every year. Uh, and it's it's definitely the biggest game changer. And so we all, I think, 
nobody will disagree. Where there's some disagreement, and this is also an interesting conversation happening in Vienna, is um, how much can you, let's say, leave technology alone to create this change by itself, or has it always to be embedded in participatory processes? Uh, it's, I think the jury is out. I think there's a reason to believe that good things happen more or less by itself. If you add something to your smartphone, it's simply there, and you don't need a participation process. On the other hand, many things go definitely wrong with uh, with, with using IT and the digital the gaps not always close. When a new technology is introduced, some widen and uh, especially artificial intelligence has, I think, a, a, an enormous potential to go both ways. Um, so we, summarizing, uh, we think it's, and we are almost 100% convinced, it's the, it's, it's the, the, the biggest game changer uh, and it will continue to be so in these next years. But you really have to be careful and you really have to include and work with people with disabilities right from the beginning, how they designed, how to put the usage and how to develop them. That's the that's the mantra of the disability community, isn't it? Nothing about us without us. And, you know, that's so key to, to the development of all these new tools. You've got to have disabled people in the room. And I, I guess that's another opportunity the Zero Project Conference has is to instill that and embed that, yeah. in, in, you know, in the minds of people who are, in some cases, very well-meaning people who are out there to create a tool that can make a difference to a disabled person. But if you don't include disabled people, how's that going to yes. work? And what if the tool is just meaningless in reality because of something you've overlooked because you wouldn't consider it? So, yeah, it's, that's a really interesting point and I think a really important part of all this. So you've got obviously a lot of people there, sessions going on throughout the week and, of course, keynote speakers as well. Can you tell us uh, some of the highlights of, of what's coming up? Yeah, there's a, a, a lot of, of highlights in that, but of, of, of new developments, I would like to focus less on, 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 on name dropping, but on, on giving some new great content that we're, that we're adding. Uh, so, um, uh, for example, we have, um, uh, a forum only for, uh, accessible Europe, which is maybe on the le legislation side, the biggest thing currently happening in the European Union. So there is a, a, a EU wide, um, um, a new law that has to be implemented this year in, in all uh, national legislations that pushes for uh, public procurement, especially when it comes to IT, uh, to make this fully accessible. So this is one thing that, that will be uh, big with us. There's an, uh, another thing is, is called Technology Forum. So we will have a, a kind of, we call this more um, uh, B2B is the wrong word in this uh, in our conference, but uh, we, we selected 20 outstanding technologies that we think uh, have a high potential when brought together uh, with with, um, with international uh, high-level decision makers and we bring them together uh, in, 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 a, in a half a day. Uh, we have revamped, um, uh, also following up on the question, question what happens next, uh, what we formerly called impact transfer into a, a transnational program called now Scaling Solutions, where we identify 12 innovations that are uh, from our experts' point of view, seem to be most scalable from country A to country B, and this is now supported by uh, our old peers from Fundación Descubrement Chile, but now also from the German GIZ and from Atos de Consultancy, and we are bringing in Enable India uh, from India, uh, and as mentioned already, there are this regional focus um, that we are that we are having. So uh, there will be uh, an India forum, there will be a Japanese forum. Um, um, so it's, uh, there's an Africa related, uh, block of sessions. Uh, so there's, these are maybe some of the, of the, of the culture related highlights that I would like to point out. 
And looking outside of the conference itself, because I, I've been reading a lot about some of the other work that you do internationally as well. You, you know, Zero Project Conference is not the only event on the calendar, right? Yeah, you're you're right. So, um, the um, the the other Zero Project conferences uh, that uh, uh, I would like to mention, which will happen this year, uh, the next one in the Zero Project calendar, and I'm coming to others as well. Uh, is uh, is in Latin America. So early May, there's the Zero Project Latin America conference in in Latin America. Uh, in September, there's the Zero, next Zero Project India conference in Delhi, together with our friends and colleagues from uh, organized with uh, Use for Jobs. And in December, um, early December, uh, we have now signed an MOU with SG Enable from Singapore. So there will also be a Zero Project SG Enable forum uh, in um, in uh, Singapore. And apart from that, uh, we also try to uh, substantially support uh, the the access um, uh, to the Africa Inclusion Africa Conference in May in, in Kenya. Uh, there's the Conference of State Parties where we'll be very present again as every year this year. Uh, and there's AIM Enabling in, in Washington. So these are the, the ones that I would consider uh, major events in this, uh, in this year. And of course, the whole thing is streamed online as well. So people can contribute and take part from their home if they wish to. Not everyone can make it to Vienna, obviously. We'll be covering it as much as we can uh, yeah, here. Thank but you for that. Obviously, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, we're so pleased that you invited us because it's such a wonderful opportunity to to share the word. And I think, again, that point about international, we focus so much on, especially in our case, technology from the US and the UK and other countries. It would be so nice to focus on some other countries in the world that are actually doing great work and, and, and shining a spotlight on that is, is what we are here to do. Uh, tell people how they can get involved and uh, how they can watch and how they can find out more about the conference and the project itself. Yeah, so as you mentioned already, um, sorry, I have to get rid of my cat. <laughs> what's, what's the cat's name? Uh, it's Pookie, and uh, she always finds Poopy. the worst moment oh. to enter the room. Um, yeah, so... Um, that's, that's the way it works. <laughs> cats do what they do. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, as you mentioned already, uh, the whole conference is live streamed. Uh, so almost all of the sessions you can also, also watch uh, online live. Uh, we also record this and uh, uh, you can watch this then on, on YouTube. Uh, and the, the advantage of watching this on YouTube, uh, I think it's, it's online an, an hour later, is that you can also use this auto uh, translation tool of YouTube. No? So you can have already the transcripts or the captions in I think more than 90, 90 languages uh, is there uh, one and a half hour, one hour later after um, after after it's, it's live. Um, so this is for everyone who cannot come uh, to Vienna. Uh, in Vienna itself, we're using a lot of, uh, of, of, of technology and measures. We have a whole team who takes care of accessibility so that they really try to be as, as, as inclusive and accessible um, as, it, as it can be. Uh, what what we really pushing for is uh, again technology. Uh, so we have a really excellent uh, conference platform. So for those maybe a thousand plus people that will be with us in Vienna, there are completely new opportunities to to, to arrange meetings, uh, to ask for um, uh, support, to ask for assistance, uh, to ask our team and get in touch with our team if if if, if people need support. Um, so there's a lot more uh, that we let's say every year we try to add some some accessibility measures. Uh, what we also do, especially because this this um, psychosocial disabilities get more 
in the focus and also in the focus of our conference uh, every year we we for the first time we 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 offer the a quiet room uh, so also more areas to to retreat and uh, get away from the conference bus so just to yeah. showcase we try to be as as accessible inclusive um, um yeah, as we can be on the other hand we always know this is a journey and uh, uh and we we yeah try to be on top of the curve but it's a, it's 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 a journey you're obviously finding out about lots of different um, technologies and services and people who are doing amazing things in the disability community. How do you find the next one? How does someone, say, for example, watching or listening to this, say to themselves, hey, I've got a great idea for a product or something I've developed, yeah. and it's not really getting the spotlight that maybe that person thinks it deserves. How do they get it in front of you? How could they become the next Zero Project Award nominee? Yeah, so this this listener of yours, this is exactly the, the person that we're looking for. So these people that are not connected with us so far, um, there is an, a really easy way to connect with us. Uh, and uh, we will, after having the conference at the, the cool-down period, the next call for nomination opens up uh, beginning of May, uh, where we this year are searching for innovations in the area of employment, which includes vocational training and uh and other elements of um, of of of, in, of information uh, transformation and IT, as mentioned, every year. So, if you as a listener have an a, an outstanding uh, solution, meaning a service, a product, a project, a program, uh, go to zeroproject.org uh, and check out our, our nomination criteria. Uh, we're quite proud that uh, I would say half of the ones that we give an award to out of the seventy five have. Are, are, are innovations and projects that are really worked locally that didn't get a limelight so far uh, and that we really um, uh, put on a, on, a, on, a, on a stage. It's only really these three criteria, impact, innovation, and scalability, and it's are the community of people with disabilities who judge them in, 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 in several stages. These are the only thing, and if, if this works, you can be, uh, you can get the limelight of the next year about your conference. Brilliant. Looking forward to the conference. As always, Michael Fenbeck, thank you so much for being yeah. with us on Double Tap. Thank you, Stephen. Pleasure as always. You're listening to the best of Double Tap on YouTube. I'm here at the Zero Project Conference in Vienna, and we've been catching up with some pretty cool companies, one in particular called Lumen. Sure. My name is Cornelia Marie, and I'm the CEO and founder of Dot Lumen, where we build glasses that empower the blind to live a better life. Well, first off, thank you so much for coming over here to see us uh, at Double Tap. Um, you were at CES this year, right? We were also at CES, yes. Yeah. We were at CES. We were doing demonstrations over there. Uh, it was a great, great experience. It was a very tiring experience. Mm. This is definitely <laughs> yes. a much, much smaller crowd over here. Um, but still, very, very excited to be here as well. So tell me about your product. What is sure. it? So I, I want to start with a problem, basically. The problem which we're tackling is that the guide dog is a great solution, but it has a couple of drawbacks. It costs a lot to train a guide dog. And the second one is a lot of responsibility to take care of a guide dog. It's a lot of effort to take care of a guide dog. But what the guide dog does, it does great. So our question was, can we replicate what the guide dog does in technology without the drawbacks that make the guide dog a non-scalable solution? Because if you think of a guide dog, you have over 100 million people who could potentially benefit from a guide dog, but there are only 28,000 guide dogs in the entire world. So this is what we do at Dotlumen. We basically created Dotlumen glasses, which um, we, they use self-driving technology to do what the guide dog does without the drawbacks that the guide dog, uh, the guide dog has. But to give an analogy of what we actually do, if you think of a guide dog, you can ask a guide dog you know, to guide you in general or to take you to a specific object. 
And the guidance will do this by pulling your hand, avoiding you from obstacles, keeping you on the sidewalk, stopping you at crossings, stopping you at stairs, etc. You can ask the Datlumen glasses the same thing, and they will do the same, but rather than pulling your hand, as the guide dog does, we actually pull your head. So it actually fills with our haptic vibration interface how something is holding your head and how something is pulling your forehead in a direction you have to go. It's immensely intuitive. You'll be able to test very, very soon. And, uh, you know, we have tested with over 300 blind individuals. We are in clinical investigations. We're putting the product on the market as a medical device at the end of the year. We have been working on this for three years. A team of 50 scientists and engineers part of this company at this point. And, you know, we, we just can't wait to, to put a product on the market and to help people. And maybe to go a bit a bit to the beginning, the reason this company exists is because I was born in a family of people with disabilities. I'm the only person without a disability in my family. And after a career in the automotive field where I worked on self-driving and electric mobility and everything, I decided to take that technology and to actually do something which is much more pedestrian, but really empowering lives of people. Wow. I don't, I don't know where to start with this one, honestly. There's so many questions I have. Right, I'm going to let you have a question here, Sean, because I will you. start asking yep. a million questions. We'll come back so to much. pulling off your head mm-hmm. to, to guide you. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Yeah. That's really interesting. <laughs> but um, I, I, I'm interested in the, the self-driving. You said you came from that yep. that sector before anyway, and that led you here. And we're seeing a lot of products that are using sort of that technology of LiDAR, 3D mapping, you know, and cameras. Also good. But... When it comes to something like navigation and mm-hmm. getting around for us, it's how we, you can map the environment, but how do you get that information across to us? You know, mm-hmm. is it an audio yeah. feedback? Is it haptic like you're using there? Sure. How do you deal with that information and getting it back to the actual user of the device? Sure. So the first thing which we do differently, since the 1950s, people have been trying to represent visual information in a non-visual way. So, you know, you get audio where there are obstacles, you get vibrations where there are obstacles. The problem with that is this, the, the world is simply too complex. You will get to sensory overload way too quickly. Mm. Because, you know, the moment you have more than two obstacles, you can no longer, in, in, you know, computed sound or vibrations really, really understand what's happening fast enough. So what we said that we're going to do 100% differently is we will not go that bad. However, we looked at the guide dog, and the guide dog is not barking when there's an obstacle. No, it guides me around it. And this is what we did. But rather than having the same, rather than having like a, a, a big thing which has to walk next to you, we decided to scale it down to a wearable, to something which you can comfortably wear. And after a tremendous amount of tests, we determined that the head region is the safest uh, and the best region to actually have this kind of feedback. So what we do with haptics is that rather than pulling your hand, rather than feeling like something is pulling your head, your hand, we actually pull your head around obstacles, around everything. It's immensely intuitive. The problem is that in words, I didn't find the right way of saying it. I never found the right way. <laughs> but the moment you'll test, you will have, you, you can explain how it feels and uh, how you can use the, those vibrations to guide you. Now, we have audio, we have text. You can actually speak with the device and the device will answer you. Uh, you have an audio, you have a button menu with a... Um, with audio, sorry, you have a button audio menu. You have um, a ways for which you can interact from your smartphone. For example, if you want to go to a more like faraway destinations, like say you're here in at, uh, the, the Vienna UN, but you want to go in Stephansplatz in the center of Vienna, you can actually go on Google Maps, search for, for Stephansplatz, press share, and you could actually share to the device, to our glasses, and they will take you there. They will guide you. They will find you the, that tram station. They will help you get in the tram and they'll help you get out, off over there. So right. it's basically everything that a self-car, self-driving car will do, but specifically on the feedback, we use audio and haptics in a, in a new and intuitive way. So I have heard a lot over the years about these kind of products. Mm-hmm. I hear about the, the replacement 
for the smart or the cane, the smart cane, uh, you know, the smart guide dog, the mm-hmm. replacement of the guide dog. Is that what you're selling here, or are you selling this as a as an additional? So to the, to those original mobility we, ways, we are we have nothing to do with the smart cane. We or with the white cane or with the smart cane. People can still use the smart the white cane together with our technology, even if. Technically speaking, you no longer need it. We, we actually the device can detect that you're using a white cane, and it but can would you ignore rec- it. Would you recommend people using this product as opposed to using a cane? I do not. Uh, we do not compete with neither the white cane, neither the guide dog. Our purpose is not to replace the guide dog. There are way too few guide dogs in the world, mm. so we do not want to replace the guide dog. What we want to do is to bring the same benefits as the guide dog does, but with the other basically 39 plus million blind individuals who cannot have a guide dog. That's what we do. So for the people who have a guide dog and who can live that lifestyle and can take care and everything, then they have the solution. Then we're not for them. We're for the other people who do not have a guide dog because they do not want to have one because it's a complicated lifestyle, because it's too expensive, etc. That's what we want to do. In terms of the white cane, technically we can replace the white cane. Practically, we don't necessarily want to. I think that you still have some situational awareness which you understand with your tactile feel. And the device will basically do what, what the guide dog does. And there are people who use both the guide dog and the white cane. So it's not, uh, they're not mutually exclusive. And, and where is it at the moment in terms of, I mean, you're saying that you're going through the process of mm-hmm. getting this uh, clinically yep. agreed yep. Um, and all of that. How is it, how is it pro- uh, progressing in that, in that way? Is I mean, it? it's, it's absolutely great. I mean, we, we have tested with over, over at this point, 300 blind individuals. Mm-hmm. And we are finishing everything and all documentation to release it as a class one medical device end of the year. So basically, this will be a medical device released end of the year in, in our country, but then very, very quickly, we're going to scale it to other markets as well. So next year, we're discussing about a worldwide device as a medical device. Wow. So uh, what, what sort of objects does it detect? I mean, in a self-driving car, obviously, mm-hmm. there's certain things you're looking out for. Sure. Has that been tweaked for specifically yeah, yeah. this use case? Yes, I mean, it's built from the ground up specifically for the pedestrian use case, and there are a lot of differences. I mean, for example, a car has a constant height, plus minus suspension. Humans, you know, they sit, they go up, they do a lot of crazy things, which a self-driving car does not. <laughs> but to, to give you a bit, a bit of context, we do, I think, three, three important things, which I can, more than three, but three important things. The first thing is that we understand the world geometrically. So we understand what is the ground and all the obstacles above it or below it. However, that is definitely not enough. Why? Just because a surface is flat, it doesn't mean it's safe to walk on. A, an example which I love is a lake. A lake is perfectly flat. It doesn't mean you can walk on it. <laughs> and I'm mm. you know, looking forward for all the other technologies which can, which can uh, guide you towards the lake. Uh, then that's where we are at the second level. We use the, the, basically the best artificial intelligence model in the world, which we have designed on our own data, our own architecture and everything, in order to understand that this is a sidewalk, this is a road, this is a crossing, this is a lake, this is a puddle, this is mud. So all of the surfaces, which most of them look exactly flat, it doesn't mean you can walk on them, but we detect all of those and we integrate it into what the device understands. And the first thing which we do is that we compute safely walkable paths over 100 times a second so that you can avoid all the obstacles, so that you can stay on the safe, on the safe walking terrain, etc. be it to the sidewalk, be it indoors, etc. We, we do all of that. And all of that combined is what brings the basic guiding functionality. On top of the guiding functionality, we have a lot of other things which are helpful. For example, detection of objects which are of interest. Uh, chairs or doors or stairs. Um, buses is something which we're doing now. Basically, very, very soon, I think we're going to finish this. We will be able to actually, we will be able to integrate public transport in the device. So if you are 
here and you want to go to city center of Vienna, the device will take you to the tram station. We already tested this. Uh, and then you will be able to, will help you to walk into the tram and then it will help you get off the tram and everything. So all of those things are also being integrated and those are on top of the basic guidance uh, which the system does. Um, we also do reading, also do other functions which are, you know, the moment we have a head-worn wearable, you can do a lot. Uh, but a basic, basic, basic functionality, which is the most important for us and it's related to our purpose of aiding mobility, is replicating what the guide dog does in the basic guiding, guiding um, situation. And what about nighttime? You know, can, can this thing see at night? It can see at night, but to give a disclaimer, at the beginning we are releasing it with uh, with daytime use. So it will work um, sunlight. Um, how do you say? It? We will like will work from uh, sunrise to sunset. Mm. This is our target now. It does see very well in the night. We haven't certified it for the night yet, but we are getting there soon. And this is, it's not AI driven, but it's it's AI it's, behind it. It's AI powered. Yes. Yeah, and that is growing all the time. Mm-hmm. The capability of AI yep. is growing all the time. So. Do you think we're at the worst this can ever be at this stage? You know, it, it can only improve, it can only get better, it can only get more capable yes, so as a device? It will get, even basically we're a software startup. So we do design the hardware with an external provider of, of hardware services and everything, but we're a software startup. So the device gets over your updates and it becomes smarter and smarter and smarter. Which is what, what a lot of these companies are doing now, right? Mm-hmm. You, you're going third party for the, the company for the hardware, yep. but actually a lot of the, the software is what you're working on what you're yep. devising and you say you've worked with over 300 people who yep. are blind in in your country not only in our countries all over well, the world the but world? most of the people are from our countries we do most of the experimentation there for logistics and logistic reasons right uh, but most of the people are from my country of romania eastern europe um but we we have tested all over the world we have actually tested the device in 20 countries at this point well, i see we've seen three or four people going up and down in front of us today haven't mm. we so that's so what you're going to test interest. it later, right? You're going to test yeah, it. Hopefully yeah, hopefully I'm going to test it later on. So My uh, colleagues are waiting for you, so no worries about that. Oh, fantastic. Can't wait. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. You know, your company name comes up a lot, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because there are a lot of companies over the years that have tried to do what you're doing, mm-hmm. and they either fall by the wayside or they just don't quite capture the imagination. Mm-hmm. Yours seems to be capturing... You know, CES, for example, yep. a lot of people were excited about it. A lot of mainstream publications were talking about your product. That's true. Uh, and I know some of that is just interest because it's different. Mm-hmm. But, of course, you know, it is a device which can really make a difference to us yep. if it works properly. Um, you're saying it's going to be out by the end of the year yep. as, a, as a class one medical, medical device, device in Romania? Uh, it's in European Union. And in, for, in the the, for FDA approval in, um, in the United States, we're going to target next year, beginning of next year. Okay. And... How will this be rolled out? Is your intention to be rolled out as a medical device or people can buy it? So basically what we do in Europe, um, you know, the point of this company is to help people. This is why we founded the, the company, to help people. And um, for Europe, we're working with all the possible reimbursement funds in each country individually so that we can get this at either a very low cost or for free for people with visual disabilities. Well, that works in your favour, doesn't it? Because it allows you to cover your costs for R&D yes. and it allows us to get access to the product. True. We're searching the same for the United States. So we're exploring the United States market and how it works and how reimbursement works over there, how uh, subsidies work over there, uh, the, the you know, dimension of the out-of-pocket market and everything. The point is the same, to help as many people as possible. We have three generations of the product already planned. The first one is indeed for markets like Europe and, and the US, but the second generation, which is coming roughly three, three years, that generation is, is going to be, as technology advances, you know, better, cheaper, faster, lighter, etc. And it's targeted for more markets. And by the third generation, which 2028 is scheduled, we hope to go into the lower income markets when the device will be much cheaper, etc. 
So uh, we're continuously working on tackling more and more markets with, with a device with a price point which is attractive to more and more markets, depending on the reimbursement, depending on the subsidies in each, in each market. But to get back to the U.S., in the U.S., we're now working with several partners and we want to enhance that partner network in order to bring it to the market, in order to see how we can maximize the amount of reimbursement and subsidies that uh, a person can get in order to purchase our technology and to basically help as many people as possible. And we do need help. We need help towards helping as many people as possible. But with all those barriers, you face probably the biggest one, which is trust. Mm-hmm. Because if you give me a device like this and say, mm-hmm. and, and I know you're not saying it can replace the white cane, although potentially it could, but I think I'd be very cautious of ever mm-hmm. letting go of my white cane. I don't know about you, Sean, but I would want my white cane with me. No. Um, you, what, you want to get rid of it? No, no, I'm just saying that, that this is... If it delivers and performs as well as you say it can, this is could potentially be another mobility aid. I, I, don't, I mean, the white cane and the guide dog has so far has earned our trust, mm-hmm. right? After years and years and years, we trust on that and we know we can rely on it. Well, it's the intelligence of the dog and it's the simplicity of the cane, yeah. mm-hmm. I think, which is the winner. You, yeah. know, you can't really go wrong with a stick. That right? is true. It's not oh, going to yeah. break down. It's not. Well, it doesn't need a software update. You know, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't, you know, you just use you it. Don't right? need to charge. It, it can fall apart on you. That's it for does. sure. Mine yes. has. Yeah, that's happened. Um, but I think that's going to be the challenge: is is getting people to trust it. So, mm-hmm. what are you doing there? Because in your trials, that must come up. People must sure. be nervous when they put this thing on. Well, the thing is, a very good indicator. I had a year ago a very good indicator about about that. One year ago. Uh, we were doing some absolutely random testing in Lisbon, in Portugal, and uh, I was there. My two members of my team were there. There was a there was a visually impaired individual which began testing, and he went away like 150 meters or like you know, 400 feet from us. And I was looking at my team standing somewhere else, just chatting and laughing. And that's the moment when I realized, okay, we are there. Because if my team 100% trust to leave this device, then that was one year ago, mm. to 100% leave this device to be operated with a, with a person which only experimented for five or ten minutes, then we're going in the right path. No, no incidents ever happen with testing the technology. Now, what we are doing specifically on that in order to grow that trust and everything, we are recommending, heavily recommended for the individuals which use our device to also use the white cane. And we actually mm. designed the device to detect that white cane and to ignore it as an obstacle because, you know, having a white cane oh, in front clever. of it, that would, that would be an obstacle. Yeah. And uh, the way we do that is, I will not really say you how we do that because we're still patenting it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's really, really interesting. Uh, just, you know, such a simple thing just to use your white cane together with a technology which is designed to keep you away from obstacles. It's, you know, technically incredibly complicated to, to, to take care of not detecting that as an obstacle. Yeah. But we're recommending people to still use their Viking because it still gives you the context of understanding a bit better what the device is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we are working on in, uh, in, in the training. So the device will teach, us, will teach every user how, how to be used and will publish new and new lessons in the device so that you can experiment more. And even if the device, for example, computes a way which, you know, it, it takes away from obstacles from far away and it computes like even in some cases 30 feet in front of you. Uh, when you still use a white cane, we're looking at opportunities that we can actually bring you more closer to the obstacle so you can understand where the obstacle is and how the device takes, takes you around it. So we're basically letting the device, together with the technology which you know how to use well, which is the white cane, to earn your trust by understanding what it does. So this is one of the things which we do. Uh, no incidents have ever happened. We had tremendously incredible, absolutely incredible feedback from, from our technology. There are still points which are improving. We're always mm-hmm. making it smaller. We're always making it better. We're always increasing the battery life and etc. Um, but um, no, no incidents ever happened. 
from the way things go, probably no instance will ever happen. Multiple redundant mechanisms taking care of this, everything we do in self-driving, we do on the device as well. So there's at least three redundant mechanisms taking care of you at the same time, each one independent. You, it will never happen, but you know, if a bullet goes through one of the batteries, you will still be safe, the device will still be able to, to not guide you anywhere where it's difficult. So it's designed by that amount of, uh, of technical scrutiny and everything. Well, I know Sean's looking forward to trying it out. We're going to get you over to try it out, and we'll, we'll yep. hear that a bit later on. But uh, for now, thank you so much for coming on. Tell people how they can follow your progress and what you're sure. doing. Uh, there are two options, .lumen.com. That would be, be our website. Uh, or you know, just go on Google and search .lumen, and you'll find our social media, you'll find our website, and we, we, we try to be roughly, uh, roughly active on, uh, on social media and everything. We really want to share the journey of, uh, of this. Brilliant. Good luck with it. Thank right. you so much, guys. Okay, so that is the news about the tech, but what's it like to try it out? Well, Sean Priest has been off testing out Lumen on the move. Yes, thanks, Stephen. So I'm here ready to try the Lumen device, and uh, someone's with me now. Who's here? Yeah, I'm Octavian. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So I have the device ready, so okay. I'm going to help you put it on. Now, I was told to throw my cane away. I yep. didn't need it, so I'm trusting you. So, wow. Okay. Let me make sure it's good enough. I it have should a... be snug and comfortable. It shouldn't be comfortable. I've got a funny-shaped head. Okay. Yeah. That is... Um, <laughs> so let me just describe it a little bit. So it's, it's, um, it's like a VR headset, but yep. resting above across my forehead and around the back of my head. It's not too heavy, but it's got some weight to it but this is a prototype still yeah exactly so this is a prototype the production version is going to be about 30 40 percent lighter okay so so how does it the work balance, the balance is going to be um it's going to be a lot more uh, balanced so you won't feel the weight okay so it's going to be even more it does feel straight it does feel like there's some sort of weight to my head it's almost like it's pulling me right now but it's not on <laughs> i think i'm imagining that okay yeah. so how does this work it's going to be pulling you in just a bit so, okay but it's perfect so we're gonna do. We have like a whole tutorial section. Right. When you first take out the device out of the box, it's gonna basically instruct you how to use it. So everything okay. from buttons, uh, voice commands, guide mode, and take me. Uh, basically everything you need to know about the device. We're gonna skip over that right now. I yep. think it makes sense. Uh, so we're gonna go straight to the haptic feedback. Okay. So you're gonna feel um, basically the guidance on your forehead. Get right. used to it. Okay. Uh, move around a bit when you're comfortable. We're going to go to guide mode, right. which is basically mimicking what the guide dog does. Okay. So it's going to avoid your obstacles and try to take you <laughs> the way you're pointing the device. Right. right. Okay. Does it make sense? Yeah. Let's Perfect. try it out. So I'm, I'm ready. Gonna, I'm going to go through the menu. And just so you know what I'm doing, you can, can you? Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Have your hand. Yeah. Of course. So if you use your thumb, there's three buttons about. Okay. There. Three buttons on the right. underside towards the yeah front temple, front right temple. Yeah. So. so that's one way of operating device. The okay. other way is through voice commands. So everything you can do with the buttons, you can do through the voice commands. So you don't need to use your hands at all. Gotcha. So just tell it, hey Lumen, guide me, or hey Lumen, um, do the tutorial, whatever, right? Right. We're going to use the buttons for now, uh, just because it's easier for, the, for this. Okay, so every time you're pressing that button, I'm hearing the uh, guide me. Yeah, I'm going through the menu take right now. Me, yeah. We're going to go through the, um, to the tutorial section. Tutorials. Perfect. Complete okay. Tutorial. Complete tutorial. I don't want to do that because it's a bit uh, long for this. We got time. Buttons. No, we haven't. <laughs> so haptic tutorial. Okay. And yeah, just listen to the lady. Now, and she's going right. to tell you anything you need to do. 
Haptic feedback is one of the glass's two methods to interact with the user. Okay. On your forehead, there are nine motors that will intuitively vibrate to guide you. There's nine motors on my forehead. This is the one on the left. That's scary. You didn't know that. This is the one on the Oh, wow. Okay. Right, so I'm feeling little vibrations all on my forehead right now. That is strange. They're not really strong, just like... Did you feel the vibrations? Yes. So, oh. so she's asking me if I felt that. So it's really important, this is basically the main uh, guiding, the main feedback you're going to feel okay. when being guided by the system. So it's really important that you feel them, right? Press right, yep. You can adjust the did you feel them? I did feel them. Okay, so let's listen to... So press any button. So Continue, I press the button. Let's go. Okay, so now she's telling me... <laughs> if there's an emergency, I will feel this vibration. Okay, so it's vibrating on both sides of my forehead. So that's emergency stop, basically. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so you're going to feel that, and we're going to test that later on. Oh, good. You're going to feel it. For example, if you get too close to an obstacle. Yes. Um, I'm going to simulate that by just raising my hand Jumping in front, in front of, of me. You. Okay. Yeah, or you can cover the camera, so you can cover the system. Right. It's going to tell you stop. There's possibly danger, there's possibly like a dangerous situation, there's no okay. in front of you, stop and try to follow the feedback, right? Perfect. So we're going to test that. Okay. So next up, let's be about more, a bit more dynamic with the vibrations. So let's do the head turn apart. Voice tutorial. Head, head turn. Head turn. Perfect. Let's bring some fun. Let's bring some fun. Oh no. <laughs> Ah, right. Okay, so now I've got to turn my head to keep the vibration in the middle of my forehead. Okay, now press any button to confirm I'm standing up, which I'm doing. So a lot like 3D audio with something like Soundscape, where you can use head tracking, it's using the same thing with vibration. So now it's vibrating here, so I'm going to turn to the right. And now it's, it's like there's a wasp crawling across my forehead. I don't know if that's good. It's something you want to use in your PR. Oh, okay. Now it's a, a pulsating vibration. That is so strange. When you feel the pulsating vibration, yeah. you found know the three goals, perfect. Let's Sorry. <laughs> I finished the head turner. That's it. Okay. That's basically the fundamentals of how the system will guide you. Okay. You're going to need to do exactly the same thing when being guided by the system. So keep the vibration in the center. Got you. If you don't feel it, or if it's to the left or to the right, to the left, to the um, well done. Your goal <laughs> is to <laughs> your goal is to rotate around until it's in the center. So right. the center is the safe path. Exactly. Is that what so we're aiming for? The okay. system will always uh, inform you of the safe path to go yeah. with the haptic feedback. So the vibration basically <laughs> indicates to you where the safe path is. Right. right. So that's it. Yeah. We got to trust it. Okay. Let's, Let's try it out. <laughs> um, with no cane. No cane. I'm quite uh, it's gonna be, nervous. We'll see. You usually use a cane, right? Yep. Perfect. You have a guide dog as well? No. Okay. Guide me. 
So guide me. The guide okay. me mode, which right. is again mimics the guide dog. Basically, you tell the system where you want to go by pointing it in that way. So right now, you're telling the system you want to go straight ahead. Yes. I so do. But there's no vibration at the minute. No, 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 I didn't activate this. Oh, okay. I was just explaining. But uh, less explaining. Indoor mode? Indoor mode, perfect. Because we're indoor? We are indoor. <laughs> oh. Guide me activated in indoor mode. Okay, narrow. Yeah, you heard narrow. So All right, and I'm feeling like these little fluttery vibrations here on the left hand side. Yeah. When you, feel, when, you, when you feel the pulsating vibration, that means you need to turn a lot that way. Ah, right, so okay. So I'm going to turn that way, and it's now in the center-ish. Yeah, it's probably going to move around. Yes, it does. It moves around. Because there's lots of people moving around, and it right. always computes where the safe path is. Okay. So, but that's it. Just follow it. And so if I walk this way... Ah, and, now it stops. Ah. Oh, it's that that way? Yes, why? I'm gonna be Why? Yeah. I'm gonna be a moving, annoying obstacle. Okay. Just to get a sense of what the system how the system reacts. Right? So right now I'm talking so we can hear yes. what this you can feel what the system is doing based on where I move. Oh hang on. That suddenly switched over there. Yeah, if I come right this way, it's gonna switch again. Right? Yeah. Oh, oh well, hang is on. Is it that way or the other way? That way. Yeah, I'm back. Everybody is surrounding you right now. So oh, that's right. Okay. I'm trying to figure it out. You can probably. Okay, yes. I mean, you can go whatever you want. As long as you follow the feedback, you're safe. Right. It's so strange. Yes, why? Why? Because I was right in front of you. Okay. <laughs> Every time. Oh, I totally get that. It's surprising. Quickly, you. You get used to it. Yep, in two minutes. Yeah, no, that is very good. I got to say, yeah, I'm quite impressed with that. Well, we aim to please. Very good. Thank Let's you. The emergency feedback. <laughs> oh, so that was, you heard the audio? Yes. And the feedback, um, the haptic notification as well. Yes. Yeah. So that was the emergency stop. Yeah, you're cover, about, you're about to walk into something. Any time that any of the cameras do not satisfy the safety requirements in a couple of hundred milliseconds, it will give you emergency stop. That is very impressive, I've got to say. The, the, the feedback and the response time is, is really good. You could run with it, but let's not do that today. No, you need a few I don't hours run anyway. <laughs> you need a few hours of training. That's very impressive. Thank you so much. Our pleasure. Perfect. So there you go. Another cool piece of tech here at the Zudo Project Conference in Vienna. More of that to come here on YouTube and, of course, daily on the Double Tap podcast and on Access Tech Live, which you can find on accesstechlive.com, on YouTube, on AMI+, Plus, on AMI-TV, anywhere you can think of. That's where you'll find us. And uh, we will, of course, be back here on YouTube again soon. Again, from the Zero Project Conference in Vienna. You've been listening to the best of Double Tap on YouTube. New videos are published throughout the week. To make sure you don't miss out, head to YouTube and subscribe now. Search for Double Tap Video. Thanks for listening and catch you next time. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.